Welcome to Baby Tour Guide's Montessori Babies podcast. I'm your host and baby tour guide, Bianca Solorsano, and for the last decade, I have dedicated myself to helping parents, educators, and caregivers optimize baby development through a Montessori lens. This podcast is all about evolving our Montessori practice to make our time with our sweet babies easier, relaxed, and so much fun. Let's jump into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of our Montessori Babies podcast. I have truly been looking forward to this week. I am so, so excited about this episode. I had the honor of interviewing the amazing Dawn Winkleman, and she came on the show to give us tips and tricks and advice as to how to teach our sweet babies to drink from an open cup. Now, you guys know one of the amazing things about Montessori is that we get our babies and our toddlers and our children (laughs) as involved throughout their day within their daily processes as possible. And one of those things is actually teaching our babies to drink from an open cup. And so this is actually something that I did in both the classroom and home settings with the babies that I was guiding at the time, and it is just so, so much fun. It's a fun process. It's a messy process, but it's a fun process, and so I am just so honored to have Dawn on our show today. I learned so many pieces of information from Dawn that were just so, so helpful, so I have been so excited to share this with you. So to give you a little bit of background on Dawn, so Dawn is Easy Peasy's Pediatric Speech-Language Pathologist and Feeding Specialist. She has 26 years of experience teaching parents and medical professionals how to start babies on solids safely and encourage toddlers to overcome picky eating. In addition, Miss Dawn is the designer of Easy Peasy's award-winning Tiny Cup and Tiny Spoon for Babies and the Mini Cup and Straw Training System and Mini Utensils for Toddlers. Now, one of the reasons I personally have just been ecstatic about this episode is because I have used Easy Peasy's Tiny Cup and Tiny Spoon and Mini Cup for a lot of years since they came on the market, essentially. As soon as I saw that there was a cup purposefully for babies, I was just so ecstatic, and it is just wonderful to use in practice. So I couldn't wait to have Dawn on the show. Before we jump into the interview, as per usual, I do want to start with our weekly quote. And the quote this week is by the wonderful Dr. Montessori. And she says, If teaching is to be effective with young children, it must assist them to advance on the way to independence. And I thought this was just so perfect because this week we're talking all about teaching our babies to drink from an open cup. And teaching babies to drink from a cup isn't something that's commonly spoken about, you know? So I'm just so excited to jump into this. I've seen so many joyful moments throughout my years in the field teaching babies to drink from an open cup and Dawn has so, so much good information. I learned a lot from her personally, and I'm just so excited to share this interview with you. So let's jump into it. I am so, so excited to have Easy Peasy's feeding specialist, the wonderful Dawn Winkleman, on our show today to be talking all about drinking from an open cup. So thank you so much for being here today, Dawn. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Um, I am just so happy to have you on. And before we jump into the drinking from an open cup aspect, I would love if you would tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your history in the field. 
Oh, yes, I'd be happy to do that. I have 26 years, I can't even believe it's been that long, a medical and clinical experience as a speech language pathologist and pediatric feeding specialist. And basically what that means is that I have my bachelor's and master's degree in speech language pathology, and we are the medical experts that a pediatrician would write a doctor's order for if a child was having some difficulties feeding or swallowing. And so our, our, we all specialize in our field and my expertise is in feeding and swallowing. And then to give you a little background about easy peasy is um, because I was clinically treating kids and still clinically treating kids. Um, I was duct taping to like bowls and plates um, to wheelchairs and countertops just to help our kids actually, you know, become independent and, and learn to to do these developmental milestones that we're, we're going to talk about today, because there was no products out there at the time that, you know, suction to the table or were made out of a sensory experience like silicone. And so I am huge, um, a Kickstarter fan. So I'm like on Kickstarter all the time. And I saw Lindsay Lorraine, who is the founder of Easy Peasy, and she was on Kickstarter and I saw the happy mat and that it suctioned to the surface. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to not only change the medical community, it's just going to change feeding in general. We are the leaders in feeding and it's all because of Lindsay's first design. And so I reached out to her and I was like, I am in love with this product. If you need anyone to preach from the mountaintops about this product, like you are going to really help kids. And she sent me over some product and I was working with kids with Down syndrome at the time. And I had this whole group of kids and, and seeing these kids come to the table where, you know, a lot of kids who have had some kind of traumatic event with feeding. Um, we all have had, like, we can all recall a story as adults now that, you know, oh, you know, someone made me eat this, or, you know, I had to sit at the table and eat my Brussels sprouts. We've all had some kind of feeding trauma, right? And our kids with Down syndrome tend to have a lot of feeding trauma because they are, experiencing difficulties because they have some respiratory issues or maybe some heart issues that kind of make feeding a little bit more difficult. And to see these kids like come to the table and see this beautiful plate that suctioned to the table that allowed them to be able to feed themselves just even brought so much more passion to my profession. And Lindsay hired me on and now I design all of our products at Easy Peasy to make sure that they're developmentally appropriate, um, that they have the right ages and stages for our products so that parents, you know, that are not sure, you know, what they should buy. We have everything. This is the line for infants. This is the line for toddlers. These are the line for preschoolers. So it's very easy for parents to be able to, learn about some of the developmental skills, whereas you and I, we're, we're experts in the field. So we know about development, but most parents, especially first time moms, they're like, I don't even know what to get. So we try to make it easy peasy to do boom, no pun intended, um, to make it easy for our parents to be able to, you know, learn about, about my field and learn about it in a very um, fun and interesting way that they can eat off of every single day. That is so, so amazing. I just, I love how everything is so catered to the age and stage of development that the child is at. And that's, I mean, what we focus here, you know, so much on is optimizing baby development through that Montessori lens. And 
really, you know, the worlds collide in the sense that we really encourage the children to drink from an open cup as soon as developmentally appropriate, as soon as they're able. Um, So one thing, you know, one little piece of information that I am just so excited about is that you designed Easy Peasy's open cup line. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, And it it was based really on necessity. Um, Mm -hmm. When when I'm teaching parents how to be able to start solids and start solids safely mm-hmm. and successfully, but also in the right developmental stage, um, I struggled myself. I mean, and Easy Peasy is just oh, <laughs> really a a brand of struggles and and finding the answers and solutions for those, right? So Lindsay developed the Happy Mat and because she was struggling feeding twins and food going everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I um, designed the Tiny Cup, which is uh, for infants. And I designed that also based on not being able to find anything out there that's safe for kids. When we're looking at drinking from a cup, most parents think that they should go from breast or a bottle to a sippy cup. And there is no developmental milestone for a sippy cup. In fact, a sippy cup was invented to decrease spills, which I know we'll get into later, but it's that's it's not developmental, right? So what really is a struggle for parents is we're telling them, hey, you shouldn't drink from a sippy cup, but we're not giving them any solutions to be able to do a milestone correctly because the only thing that was out there before I invented the tiny cup was shot glasses mm-hmm. because we wanted something that's <laughs> one or two ounces. Right. So yes. even me, I was using shot glasses, you know, with kids. Yeah. And the problem with that is that shot glasses are made out of metal or glass. And so they would knock out babies developing teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, it would cause pain for children who were teething. Mm-hmm. And so then they didn't want to drink from a cup. So it's very difficult to get a kid off a bottle if they contribute pain with open cup drinking. So because we're a silicone company, we designed it out of silicone and then I designed safety features within the cup. So the tiny cup is the only cup out there that's cone shaped on the inside. So there's lots of silicone on the outside to help with baby's grip. And again, that's a milestone as well. Um, And it's soft silicone on the rim. So it's going to gently, you know, help with those teething milestones. It's going to make it a really safe um, cup to drink of. But the most important thing with this cup is that it is cone shaped. So a baby never has to tilt their head back. When babies tilt their head back, they open their airway. And when babies open their airway and they're drinking something, that liquid can go down into the lungs and it can cause pneumonia. Um, It can also go down into the eustachian tubes. So it can cause ear infections. And if that's chronic, it can even cause hearing loss. So the safety feature that is in this cup allows a child to maintain that really safe drinking position because we want the chin to be slightly tucked when we're eating and drinking, just like you and I do. But we often see babies and young toddlers having their head tilted back when they're eating and drinking because they're so used to that because they're drinking from a sippy cup or a 360 cup, which again, puts that child in this open airway positioning, causing all kinds of um, 
medical issues. So airway management is the most important thing when we're introducing an open cup. You and I are looking at this from a developmental capability. You know, children are supposed to be able to drink from an open cup. And we'll talk about that here in a second. And that is a developmental milestone. But as a medically trained SLP, I want to also help parents decrease ear infections and hearing loss and missing less time from school. You know, every single time a child has an ear infection, you know, they're usually going on antibiotics. They miss a couple of days of school. All of these issues should not happen just because parents don't know that there are safer alternatives out there. And so it's, it's important to make these tools, introduce these tools, educate parents about the developmental piece, but also the medical piece that goes alongside that as well. You know, um, this, this piece of information is actually something that I have found really useful and something that was new information to me um, as far as, you know, how the open cup is able to, you know, decrease the potential pneumonia infections and the potential ear infections and all of that. And I just think having this info and just, you know, transitioning into drinking from an open cup is not only so developmentally wonderful as I've seen in my experience, but just has so many benefits. I'm so glad you're talking about this. Um, One of the things you just mentioned is, you know, kind of around the importance of drinking from an open cup. And Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk about, you know, the open cup versus a sippy or a, a weighted straw cup, for example, mm-hmm. or, or those types of things. <laughs> yes. So when we're when we're talking about development, we parents usually know like gross motor milestones like crawling or walking, but they tend to not know a lot about oral motor milestones, feeding milestones, swallowing milestones, speech milestones, language milestones. And all of these milestones, you know, they kind of piggyback on each other. So it's really important for parents to understand that if we're drinking from an open cup, we're also working on lip closure. When we're working on lip closure, well, that's also a precursor to speech sounds. <laughs> and then if we're working on those speech sounds, we're also a precursor to language and then social skills, right? And manners and all these, right? All these other things. And and so that is more along the lines of, you know, cognition and speech and language. So it's it's important for parents to kind of understand all of these things and how um, developmental ties kind of go in together. And then the last tie in with lip closure is what parents fear the most is choking. And I tell families all the time that if you drink from an open cup, your child is learning how to um, put their lips together and have a really good lip seal. And that is one of the best ways to be able to prevent choking. If you and I were to choke right now, the first thing that we would do is we'd close our lips really tightly so we could breathe through our nose so that we could produce a strong cough. If kids aren't able to do that, if they're mouth breathers, which a lot of children who tend to drink from a sippy cup or a 360 cup um, tend to be mouth breathers, they don't have that strong cough. So it's really hard to, again, have that airway management to help protect their airway. So all of these skills happen and just for just for drinking from an open cup, like it's just, it seems so silly when we, when we're like, yeah, if you drink from an open cup, you can, you know, have all the success in all these other areas. But, you know, because we're developmental experts, we know that, but to, to explain that to a, you know, a new parent, they're like, their minds are blown. Like what? Wait, so you're saying all I have to do is practice an open cup five minutes a day. And I'm like, yes, that's all you have to do. So, I mean, it is such a joyful experience, you know, you put an ounce or two in there and 
you put it yeah. in front of them and oh my goodness, there's so many just aha moments that the baby has yes. <laughs> with that experience. I love it. Yeah. And I just, I also love the idea of drinking from an open cup because it's the long-term goal, right? Right. Right. So I, I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's the Montessori way, right? It's, yeah. it's, you know, preparing children for adulthood, like, you yeah. know, they're going to drink from an open cup for the rest of their lives. So, you know, they're not going to drink from a sippy cup. We don't drink from a sippy cup. Um, so it, it's an, it's a lifelong skill and which is very Montessori. It is. <laughs> and it truly simplifies it. You know, yes. you just need like the basics and actually the basics end up being what's so amazing for their development. So I just love that. So I would love if you would tell us a little bit about when we should introduce the open cup to our our infants. (laughs) Yeah. So this is always mind blowing for parents and medical professionals. You know, um, through easy peasy, I have the beauty of teaching pediatricians, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, teachers, um, and then also parents. So it's this wide community community that we have and everyone's always blown away. Um, you know, pediatricians tend to not have any schooling in feeding, swallowing, nutrition. So we're looking to them for advice. And so as all of us, dis- our disciplines, you know, train pediatricians so that they can refer, right? And even pediatricians are like, what? when? And the age is six months. We can start introducing the cup between four and six months of age. And that is just so mind blowing because we're like, what? And then I'm always like, just go on our Instagram feed and look up our highlights and watch thousands of six month olds drinking successfully out of an open cup. It is a developmental milestone. Um, So what the developmental milestone states is at six months of age, a baby will drink from an open cup held by an adult. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you're, we're not expecting your baby to pick up that cup at six months of age and you know, drink properly with no spillage. That's not developmental. But <laughs> what we are supposed to do is we as caregivers are providing the stability because babies are still working on their fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. Drinking from an open cup is a swallowing milestone. It's a feeding milestone. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's a, it's a fine motor milestone in the sense that we have all of the muscles used to trigger a safe swallow are fine motor muscles, but they're not supposed to actually bring that cup up to their mouth. So the adult is holding that cup. Mm-hmm. So the baby just needs to come forward towards the cup and drink the liquid out of the cup and be able to do that successfully. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's going to be a mess. Of course, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be this fun, messy opportunity. Um, but just like anything else in parenting, the more that you provide these opportunities, the more skilled a child becomes. Mm-hmm. And as a child becomes more successful, then slowly but surely over that first, you know, six months, you're introducing at six months. And then at the 12 month mark, the milestone changes. Mm-hmm. So at 12 months of age, babies are supposed to drink drink from a cup independently mm-hmm. with spillage. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're still going to, you know, spill some, but they're supposed to be able to hold onto that cup and bring it to their mouth successfully. And a child can never make that milestone if we don't practice at the six month mark, because then the next milestone is at 24 months, they're supposed to drink independently from a cup with no spillage. So I have five-year-olds in my caseload that still can't do that, right? So I'm like, there are several years delayed in that skill. Mm -hmm. And when we're thinking about, you know, 
wait a minute, Dawn, you're saying a, a two-year-old is supposed to drink, you know, independently with no spillage. When we think about what that takes, it takes grading. The child's going to have to learn how to bring that cup up to the mouth, really good lip closure, good hand-to-mouth coordination, good eye-to-hand coordination. Well, these are all the skill sets that we need for literacy. These are the, all the skill sets that we need for writing, right? All of these things. And we find that when children make their feeding milestones, everything comes after that, right? So feeding milestones precede most other milestones because it's the same skill set, right? So when we're, when we're drinking from that open cup, and we're introducing that at six months of age, and your child's been doing that for six months consistently, then of course, those bilabial sounds start coming in. So that's the B sound, the P sound, the M sound, because they've been putting their lips onto the cup. So now, mm, pa, ba, those are lip sounds. And those are the reasons why mama is usually one of the first words, or baba for a bottle or banana, right? All of these sounds because we've practiced from the open cup at six months of age. And and parents really only need to do that, you know, one time a day just to get started. Your child's going to want to continue to drink from an open cup because it's so fun. And and we we joke about it too. It's like, you want to get your party trick ready? You just have your child, you know, drinking from an open cup and then you go to a party and you're like, watch this. (laughs) It's like, my kid can drink from an open cup. That's so amazing. I mean, I think that that's one of the biggest surprises, kind of like you're mentioning. Um, it's also, you know, in the world of Montessori, we would offer them the cup, um, just an ounce of liquid in the cup and, you know, allow them to start practicing from the time, you know, they start their solid food experience and they're yes. with us in either, whatever your setup is, if it's a little Montessori table or in a high chair or a trip trap chair at the table or whatever it is. You know, the opportunity to practice is just so amazing and really, really fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Messy, but fun. Yes. So, um, fun. so one question I actually have for you, as far as the timeline that you're mentioning, somewhere between the six to 12 month mark, when your baby starts to reach for the cup, mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what do you suggest in that sense? Yes. So, so I highly recommend breast milk or formula in the cup when you're first starting out. And the rationale behind that is, again, I'm a medically trained speech pathologist. So breast milk and formula is a thicker liquid. And not only is it thicker, it's a little oily. So it's very easy for babies to swallow that. And of course, they're familiar with that liquid because it's their primary nutrition until 12 months of age. But those liquids are really easy to swallow, making it very engaging for them to want to drink from an open cup. And it's also part of the weaning process. If we're trying to, again, get off of a bottle by 12 months of age, which is what you know, all of the medical journals recommend, then we we have to be able to have breast milk or formula inside of the cup in order to have a cup to get off the bottle. Right. So we want to be able to have that experience. And a lot of babies, if we put water in the cup, there's no smell, right? So we're taking away sensory components to drinking. Mm -hmm. So it's really important from a sensory standpoint to start with breast milk or formula. It's important from a nutritional standpoint to start with breast milk or formula. It's important from a swallowing standpoint because it's much easier to swallow a thicker liquid than a thin liquid like water. I tend to introduce water around the 10 month mark because 
because a milestone again is when they become toddlers, they're supposed to drink water. It's very difficult when a toddler is going through some picky eating and all of a sudden we're like, you get no more breast milk or formula. You're only drinking water. So I like to introduce water around 10 months. Mm -hmm. So What that does is at six months of age, we as caregivers, we control the cup. We're holding that cup because baby's fine motor skills aren't there to be able to to hold on to the cup. Um, And we're going to use breast milk or formula. So we don't have to worry about spills because, you know, that liquid gold going over, (laughs) spilling everywhere because we're holding on to the cup. As your baby starts to want to hold on to the cup and, you know, maybe that's around the nine month mark, then you can start to offer water. But sometimes that usually happens around the 10 month mark. Babies are like, I got this. I got, you don't, I don't need your help anymore. Then that's a perfect opportunity to switch over to water. So then if there's a little bit of water spilling, no big deal. The tiny cup is a two ounce cup. And so I say, don't fill it up two ounces, you know, only fill up the amount of liquid that you want to spill. (laughs) So (laughs) I I say, just put a half of an ounce or ounce in here, right? Because again, it's cone shaped on the inside. So it's going to be very easy for the liquids just to come out and make it easy for your babies to drink. So you don't have to fill it up. So you're going to start with a, you know, half of an ounce of breast milk or formula. And then as your baby kind of drinks that, and you're seeing that your baby is wanting to hold onto that cup a little bit more, well, then you can have a little bit of water there and then refill the cup with a little bit of water and then offer it to baby. Mm -hmm. So what that does is it kind of, it's pre-learning, right? It's Mm -hmm. pre-learning with that breast milk or formula for that first half of an ounce or an ounce. And then you can offer some water once your baby really wants to grab onto this cup. And it's all about your baby's particular development. I have six month olds that are immediately like, give me that cup. I want to do that. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) You know, let's see what we, what we've got here. Um, And then, and actually, you know, there's six month olds that are really, really good and independent with the open cup. And, and that's because the way that we design this is it's the silicone has a non-slip grip. So even when there's drool and saliva and breast milk, and it's a little slippery, they can still hold onto it. So we find that you're not going to spill as much with this cup. And then it's weighted on the bottom and there's sensory bumps on the bottom. So it it is topple resistant. And so that makes it really easy for babies to be successful too. So if parents are like, oh gosh, you know, that's a half an ounce of breast milk and I'm just so nervous please know that there's all these other safety features and developmental features that are also going to help, um, which will be different from drinking from this open cup as compared to a shot glass, for example. (laughs) Yeah, that's so amazing. A Montessori idea is following the child. And that's exactly like you suggest, observe your child, follow your child. So basically they have this little inner light that guides them to know when they're ready for certain things. And obviously we're there to guide them along the way, but just so, so, so amazing. And it's all very purposeful and safe within the open cup experience. And yes. And and (laughs) I love what you said about that because it's, it is, it's, it's, you follow their lead based on the support that they need. Mm -hmm. And I'll just mention this too, that that some families are like, they were, they were holding onto the cup and, and drinking from the cup. And now they want me to hold it. I don't understand what happened. Well, we also have to know that during this, you know, self-feeding opportunity from six months of age to 12 months of age, the whole oral cavity is changing. A six-month-old mouth that's very different from a 12-month-old mouth. The jaw is expanding. The tongue is getting better. The lips are getting bigger. We're teething. Now we have a couple of teeth. 
all of those things change and they can lose their skills. And so then they need us for a little bit more support. So maybe we're holding the cup again for, you know, a week or two, and then they've got it again. It's just them being able to, to, I I love how you were saying, like follow their lead and allow us to be able to give them the support when they need it. And if, if they need it. And now for a quick message from our sponsor. One thing I can promise all of you is that I will only ever promote products that I have tried and tested within my years of experience within the Montessori world. And that's why I am so excited to announce the Montessori Babies podcast partnership with Easy Peasy. So Easy Peasy provides all the feeding gear you need for baby's first bites and sips all the way to feeding independence. Each collection is designed for a different developmental stage. The tiny collection is for infants, their mini collection is for toddlers, and the happy collection is for preschoolers. Easy Peasy products are made from 100% food-grade silicone, and they come in muted colors such as sage and blush, other gorgeous colors like lime and coral, and some Montessori colors like blue and gray. Head on over to easypeasyfun.com to check out the developmental benefits and safety features of each product. And be sure to use the code MONTESSORIBABIES10 for 10% off at checkout. Thank you so much to Easy Peasy for sponsoring our Montessori Babies podcast. And now back to our show. Right, exactly. Yeah, as you were mentioning, you, you've, I've also observed, you know, some of our, our smaller babies who are newer in their feeding experiences who just reach toward it. And typically with those babies, I'll give them a little bit less of Yes. <laughs> You know, I'm um, just, so, you know, so they can practice safely and so everything around is safe, but yeah, I just, I love that piece. So that's amazing. <laughs> so as far as just actually showing them how to do, you know, I know you mentioned starting with breast milk and formula, but you would recommend putting a half ounce to an ounce in there and having it be breast milk or formula initially. Yes. Bring it to your mouth and that's about it. Well, and, and it's all about positioning during this time too. So, you know, if you, you want to make sure that your baby has a good and stable base of support in their feet when you're doing cup drinking. And the rationale behind that is if your baby's feet are supported, their trunk supported. If their trunk is supported, their head and throat is supported. If that is supported, then the tongue can do the work that it needs to do in order to protect the airway. So when we are sedated, Adjusting how to be able to start open cup drinking, I always say, make sure that your baby is safe. Having them sitting on your lap with their feet dangling is not the best experience for a baby, not from Mm -hmm. safety and from a positioning standpoint. So we want to put baby in a high chair or a Montessori table, make sure their feet are planted on a footrest or on the floor so that in the event that they do need a cough or choke, they're able to use that stability in their feet in order to help produce a nice strong cough. Mm -hmm. So we want them to be positioned. And then as we're holding the cup, we're only going halfway. And what I mean by that is we want to hold the cup in front of baby, but baby needs to lean forward towards the cup. If we put the cup into the baby's mouth, they're just kicking back and just relaxing. They're not an active feeder. Mm -hmm. The goal here is to have an independent drinker. So baby needs to meet us halfway. And we also know that studies show that if babies are having a positive tilt 
towards their feeder, then they're more trustworthy in that feeding environment. So let's start doing that with open cup drinking so that when we offer a spoon, offer new foods, offer new textures, baby's already building that trust with the caregiver. And this is a caregiver at school. This is a caregiver at home. This is a grandparent, right? All all of your baby's feeders need to learn the skill because if we're putting the cup into the mouth, then they don't really have to do a lot of work, right? We want them to lean forward so that they can provide that good lip closure. We want them to lean forward so they're learning about how to grade. They're being able to breathe in that smell of the breast milk or formula and have a whole sensory experience. Mm -hmm. So positioning is the first step. The second step is being able to meet baby halfway. The third is providing the right liquid, so breast milk or formula at the beginning of open cup drinking. And then lastly, is also providing the encouragement. So one of the things that I always tell the families that I work with, if you if you start open cup drinking, you're like, oh, and, and you take a deep breath like that, they're going to think something's wrong. And the first thing that they're going to do is also take a deep breath and that liquid's going to go right down into their lungs. Yeah. So you want to be supportive, right? But we also want to kind of maintain our cool as we're seeing this amazing skill transform in front of us. So we want to also provide really good language. So, oh, I like the way you're drinking, bud. Yeah, put your lips on that. Oh, do you have mommy's milk or, you know, we are really providing a lot of language and education during this this time too, because, you know, guess what? Babies are going to learn these body parts, right? Lips, that's a perfect vocabulary word for them to learn. Cup is a perfect, I like how you're holding onto the cup. You want to hold onto it too? Okay. So we're also providing this language model. Um, and then we could be like, oh, okay, one, two, three. All right, we're all done. Okay, you want to get out of the chair? I mean, it just ends up being this, wonderful routine, but making sure that, you know, we're maintaining our composure and providing language stability is, is really key for that too. I cannot agree with you more on that. (laughs) Um, as far as, you know, the energy that we give off in that experience, especially because typically if you're introducing the new cup from anywhere between four to six months, whenever you decide it's a new experience for the baby, right? So they're making associations about that experience. And if we're just calm and peaceful and, oh, you're drinking from an open cup, you know, we're talking about it. Amazing way to, you know, offer that language nutrition as we're giving them the feeding and food nutrition as well. And it's, it just can really be a beautiful experience. I love how you said that. (laughs) Thank you. So I would love for you to talk about some of the benefits that people don't commonly know in regards to teaching babies to drink from an open cup. Yeah. So when we bring up open cup drinking, like in my feeding courses, parents are like, well, yeah, this is, this is a great idea. I, you know, obviously I'm going to introduce an open cup at some point in my baby's life, but teaching these milestones and the different things that we expect these benefits, parents are like, wow, I I had no idea. It's, it's really important for parents to kind of think about all of the benefits of everything. I mean, that's the Montessori approach, right? Is that we are providing these beautiful aspects in a child's life where they can learn to be independent. And this is just one more way where parents are like, whoa, I didn't know they could do this independently. And we really need to give babies more credit (laughs) than, than, 
than a lot of people do because of the fact that they can do these things. In fact, as professionals, we expect them to do those things. Mm-hmm. So um, the benefits that come from open cup drinking are, are those speech benefits, um, are the medical benefits, um, the oral motor benefits of those lip closure. I can't tell you how many times when I've watched a child drink from the open cup, I'm like, oh gosh, you know what, mom, you know, there might be a lip tie going on here. I think you need to go to your pediatrician or pediatric dentist because the way that your baby is drinking onto the cup, it's just, it's not typical. So why don't you go take a peek at that? So many times I've worked with babies and I'm like, oh, you know, that's really audible. The way that your baby is drinking is really audible. You might want to go into your pediatrician and assess, you know, that palate. And sure enough, they were diagnosed with a, you know, cleft palate. Um, Those types of things, it's, it's really important to be able to look at that from, you know, these are these other benefits that feeding does and give kids the opportunities to be able to try different things. Another benefit of open cup drinking is that we can go from thin liquids like water, for example, slightly thicker liquids like breast milk formula, and then thicker liquids like purees or smoothies. So then you get all of these different textures. And what that does and what I explained to parents is that it's basically weightlifting, right? Mm So I, I, all of my analogies are always with working out. So it's (laughs) You want your baby to do squats, then you need to give them a smoothie during the open cup like that. You're really moving that tongue, right? You're really moving those lips. If you want, you know, to work on speed, then we're going to give them a little bit of water and that liquid is going to go down the throat like so much faster, right? So it's being able to exercise the mouth so that we can make sounds and then we can do what we call co-articulation. So then we can get, you know, instead of nana or ba-ba for banana, it's ba-na-na now, right? So it's all of these benefits. Um, really help. And they, it stems from being able to facilitate open cup drinking. Oh my goodness. I just love how many tiny little pieces of, <laughs> you know, benefits and just information are within this world of just open cup. Drink. I mean, it's its own, you know, entity within the yes. its own milestone. So I love that there are people like you who study those little pieces, because these little pieces are so important to know. And you know, there's so much is happening in the first couple of years of life. And so the more info we're able to, you know, offer and give, the more we can support everyone, which is the goal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I do want to ask you about spilling. Yes. Uh, so what if, say, for example, <laughs> we, you know, offer the baby the cup and at one point, all they want to do is spill it or throw it or, you know, what would you suggest in those instances? So the first thing that I want to mention is there's so many, you know, well-meaning experts that say, oh, that's a behavior. That is not a behavior. That is a developmental process called play. And it is it is a sensory experience. And so I tell families, if your baby is starting to play with the the liquid, whether it's breast milk formula, water, smoothie purees, then we need to offer that opportunity prior to working with the open cup. So guess what? Instead of doing bath time at the end of the day, you're doing bath time in the middle of the day, providing that sensory experience with water play and allowing your baby to play with the bubbles and and get their wiggles out from a sensory standpoint. So then when you put them into the high chair for dinner and you're offering the open cup, they kind of have their wiggles out. This is also 
really important. The things that we are learning through that play is the babies are learning about temperature. Do they like cold water? Do they like room temperature water? Do they like warm water? I've had so many babies not want to drink any water unless it's warm. And if we think about that from a sensory perspective, what feels more comforting, cold breast milk or warm breast milk, cold formula or warm formula? Well, guess what? Babies want that same experience with a lot of the liquids that they're drinking. Um, That's why I'll offer warm soups, pureed soups into the open cup. Babies love that because they get really familiar with warm liquids mean love, Mm -hmm. right? So they are exploring that temperature. Then all of a sudden we put cold water in the cup and we expect them not to play with it. Like all they've ever had is like this warm love of um, liquids. And yeah, where they're going to play with that Um, because they're exploring it. That's their job. They have to explore with their hands before they put those things into their mouth. So they're going to dump the water out and play with it with their hands because they're like, hey, I got to check this out with this sensory experience with my fingers before I check it out with this sensory experience, my tongue. Mm-hmm. So this is education, right? This is this is a way that we celebrate happy meal times. And if we say, okay, well, I guess you're all done, then they're they're not going to explain, they're not going to explore the next texture or right. the next or right. the next. So how are we going to get them to, you know, eat, uh, you know, grandma's green beans at Thanksgiving when we're not even letting them play with water, right? So that is all about the priorities of mealtime and what we want to do and celebrate what a child is doing in exposure for liquids and foods. And that's the whole rationale for Easy Peasy and why we design the products the way that we design them is to respect that level of trust between the baby and the parent to respect that, that feeding environment Mm -hmm. and make it as easy peasy as we possibly can for Mm -hmm. a child to be successful with our feeding tools and for the parents to know what the expectations are for those feeding tools so that this mutual love and respect for food and liquids and mealtime um, is very joyful and, and that, you know, playing is a part of the process and we want to learn about that and, and we want to explore that and allow, we're obviously not going to want to allow, you know, baby throwing it, but why, why are they throwing it? Maybe we need to, um, in those first five minutes that we put the child in the high chair, maybe they just need to play with an empty cup for a little bit to kind of explore that tool before we're expecting them to, you know, do something with perfection um, of drinking that successfully. We need to kind of let them play with that process. Mm-hmm. And just looking at that from a teaching perspective and that this is, this is education and this is sensory play. And let's just see how long that sensory play lasts. The more that we give those opportunities for babies to learn, the less likely they're going to do it at the next mealtime. Uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> So as far as, you know, the spilling and stuff, I couldn't agree more as far as offering that experience outside as well. Um, You know, for example, like you said, when they first explore, you know, a cold water, the, the lighthearted term that I like to use is that they're little scientists, you know, and so they're, they're experimenting, they're learning their world and 
what is this? You know, what is this to me? Who am I to this? You know? And so they're learning how to transform their environment and all of that. And taking the role of, you know, as a parent or a teacher or an educator, you know, your role as the observer is to see, you know, what the needs are in that experience. And if they truly love exploring in this water, let's offer it. You know, if they do have an inner need to throw, let's fill that inner need, especially outside of this experience. Get your ball basket out, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Go in, you know. <laughs> what can we throw? You know, all of that kind of thing. So, so as far as gagging and yeah. you know other concerns that we may have when we newly introduce this open cup, what would you tell parents? So, gagging is another developmental process. Mm-hmm. So. Babies are supposed to gag. Babies um, gag to protect their airway. Mm -hmm. So again, there's well-meaning educators out there that are like, we need to stop the baby from gagging. And and I'm like, what? No, that is that is not a good medical road that you're going down. We have to allow babies to gag because the gagging process is what teaches the rest of the throat muscles to protect. So when we gag, we elevate our larynx. We elevate our larynx to help protect our airway. Mm-hmm. Not to give you a huge anatomy lesson, but that is that is their job. Their job is to explore with their hands, explore with their mouth, and have that gag protect them to make sure that they're not having anything nauseous, to make sure that they um, learn pleasure and pain from what they place into their mouth. And that learning experience allows them to try that again. So, oh, I stick, you know, this this um, plant in my mouth and it's just like, hey, you know what? That's a pretty sharp leaf. I don't really want to put that in my mouth anymore. Um, or I'm putting this cup in my mouth. And you know what? I really like the way that that feels. Those experiences um, protect the airway. It helps to initiate a gag or decrease a gag. And then the other thing that's really important for families to know too, is that the gag is at the very tip of a baby's tongue around six months of age, providing different textures and liquids and open cups actually help to move that gag reflex to go further back down the tongue. If we don't provide that, let's say we continue to offer a sippy cup, well, that gag never gets moved back. So what happens is sippy cups can sabotage solids because the sippy cup promotes that tongue thrust, which is what we don't want kids to do. We don't want them to tongue thrust and push all the food out that we just made for them. Mm-hmm. So what happens with that the use of, of products like the overuse of sippy cups, the overuse of pacifiers, um, what that does is keep that gag reflex at the tip of the tongue. So then when we introduce those solids, baby's just gagging. We need to allow them to gag so that that gag reflex starts to move back further into the tongue. So then the back part of the tongue lifts up to protect the airway. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that adult, the way we swallow. And if something um, is going down the wrong way, right, we end up gagging and allowing that musculature to move up to bring that, you know, piece of food or whatever it is, a bone um, up so that we can protect the airway and make sure that we're not going to swallow that. Babies don't get the opportunity to do that if they're not 
offered a variety of tastes and textures consistently over you know that course of that six months so that when we go into toddlerhood and we you know every single child goes through a picky eating phase that's developmental too but we don't stay there because we've already did the work we did the work when they were babies to help with that exercise of that tongue so that we've provided that development of that oral structure so when when they go into toddlerhood and become selective during this normal developmental period, they have the musculature basis to be able to continue to explore foods. Right. Thank you so much for that information because I feel like, you know, gagging can be really scary too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I remember when I first started working with infants in the classroom setting and, you know, initially when I, when I saw my first baby gag, it's scary. You know, my heart goes and I was like, is this a choking moment? You know, but it's not, it's very, Mm. very normal. It's very natural. And a part of the learning experience, we want them to learn to push that food up and out. And so I really appreciate you offering that information. And for your listeners too, you know, the thing that I, that I recommend and, and, and I think is really successful is that if you are a first time parent and you're getting ready right now, you're listening to this amazing podcast and you're getting ready to start solids and, and start open cup drinking as weird as this sounds, watch other babies gag, watch videos. You know, you can go on to easy peasy fun, um, um, dot com, all of our social media. We have, you know, <laughs> videos of babies gagging and then, and then kind of working it out. Mm-hmm. And why that's so important is because you can see how they recover on their own. Gagging does not require intervention. Mm-hmm. Choking requires our intervention. Mm-hmm. Gagging is another educational experience. And I tell parents all the time, if you pick up your child every single time they fall, <laughs> you'll never get anything done, right? They have to fall and learn about falling in order to be able to walk. Your baby has to gag and learn about gagging in order to be able to eat. But watching someone else's child gag can help prepare you for your baby's first gag. And it is scary. And I, I tell families too, if you're, you know, sending them off to school, then videotape your child gagging and show that to the teacher Mm -hmm. so that the teacher knows what that looks like too, because we all go through panic mode as I mean, 26 years in. And when kids have a really bad gag, I'm, I'm holding my breath. Right. And I'm extremely experienced, Mm -hmm. but to see a video of, you know, in it, you know, 30 second video, right. Of your baby gagging, your toddler gagging, showing that to a teacher can really help make them feel more confident. Right. Cause that's all we need to do. The more we're educated, the more confident we are, the more confident we are, the more we can help encourage our kids to be more independent. Mm-hmm. So whatever we can do to provide that road to make someone feel just slightly more comfortable can really go a long way in making sure that our feeding goals that we have at home continue in the educational setting and the feeding goals that we have in the educational setting continue to be offered at home. Right. I would definitely suggest um, those in our wonderful audience who don't have any experience with the gagging experience to check out your videos on easypeasy.com because part of, you know, approaching the solid experience too is our reactions and they look to us for our reactions. Mm-hmm. And it is so normal to, you know, have your heart sink to your toes in those moments, but anything that we can do to stay as calm as possible and tell ourselves that it's a part of the feeding process 
it'll help them feel calm and confident moving forward <laughs> with the process, you know? So I could not suggest that enough. <laughs> so what about, you know, say we have older babies who have been on the sippy, who haven't yet explored the open cup. Is there, is there any time that we can offer it? Is there a different way we should show it? How, what would you suggest in those instances? Yeah. I want to encourage all your listeners that if they're like, you know, this is the first time I've heard this information. Oh no, is my child doomed? Like, no. What I always tell families is, is now that you're educated, you can make a different decision. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't make a, a good educated decision if you don't have all the information. So now you have some information. And if it if it really resonates with your mommy gut, if it really resonates with your caregiver gut, then try this. Right. Mm-hmm. I always tell families, question everything. <laughs> question everything. So you're you're hearing this information, you're like, hmm, let's let's see what Dawn, you know, has really got here. Let's try this. If it resonates with you, then then give it a go. Because it's okay if you get a late start. Don't worry, because there's plenty of time to catch up. This is developmental. So whether your child is doing this at six months or three years old, they still have to go through this developmental phase. So you can still do all of the same things that we just talked about. You can introduce an open cup at any point in time um, and be successful. Um, you know, the older your child is, the more opportunities that you can actually have to work on it. So with your six month old, you're really only working on open cup drinking once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your 10 month old, you're doing three meals at a time now. So from 10 months old to older, you have three opportunities instead of one. So and then even if your child is a toddler, now, you know, you have three meals and, and maybe a snack or two in there. So you have five opportunities. So the older your child is, the more opportunities they have to give them an enriched um, open cup environment so that they can have multiple opportunities during the day to practice this skill. Again, it doesn't have to be, you know, 10 ounces. One ounce is great. Give them one ounce of water, one ounce of milk every now and then. Those are exercises. Those are reps, if you will, of um, of opportunities for your child to be able to to play a little catch up and and do that really quickly. You know, in my private practice where I do feeding therapy, I'll get two year olds who have never had an opportunity to drink from an open cup, and I'll say, okay, mom, this is this is your um, homework. You're going to offer liquids from an open cup three times a day, and they're like that's it. That's it. So do that for a week. And then when I see you next week, let's see how it goes. And then of course that child that had had no experience whatsoever in one week is able to drink from an open cup with no assistance, completely independent with no spillage because they provided multiple opportunities during the day. So your child can do that in a week when they're a little bit older, you know, at six months, we need multiple opportunities to be able to get there by the 12 month mark. So it's still okay. Don't worry. There's plenty of time to catch up. It's, it's an exercise. It's a skill. Um, it's a lifelong skill that we need to um, provide our kids. That's just so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, kids at any age, right. Are just mm-hmm. really excited about new things as well. So yes. <laughs> it'll yes. be experience. So at any age, you know, in early childhood, you just offer it, you got it. So thank you so much for that. You're uh, welcome. So lastly, do you have any final pieces of advice or any stories, you know, that you would like to share with our audience? I know we would all love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that you want to purchase products from a company that is trustworthy. 
you know, I always thought that materials and chemicals are something that we always really tested to make sure that, you know, babies and kids are safe. And and that's not the truth. <laughs> um, so there's lots of products out there that are made of silicone, but they're not made of food grade silicone. So they're actually not safe for babies. In fact, there's a lot of silicone products that, you know, Europe has such a higher standard than we do when it comes to babies and materials and chemicals. I mean, products that are sold here in the United States, we're not able to even sell those products in Europe for cattle, right? Mm -hmm. So, but in the United States, you know, kids are able to eat from them. Mm -hmm. So buy your products from a company that's trustworthy, buy your products from a company that goes above and beyond safety standards. And once you start really looking at it from that perspective, you know, we have to think about like, what do we have control of as adults? We have control of the food that we're offering the kids. We have control of the products that we purchase for the kids. The kids have to decide whether or not they want to eat that food. The kids have to decide whether or not they want to drink that liquid. Um, but our job is to provide those opportunities and that they're safe. And I'll just give a shout out to our company. Easy Peasy is a woman-owned company. We're the only company that has an expert that's actually designing the products. I'm designing the products. I'm bringing all of my expertise and development into the products to make sure that this is going to be the most developmental cup that you will ever see on the market. We surpass all the safety standards. We take health seriously. You know, most of us are either medical experts or moms in the team. We have a very, very, very small team and we take to heart what what we're doing and that's what makes us different we're the leaders in feeding industry because we went above and beyond mm -hmm. right we went above and beyond with design we went above and beyond with the cuteness factor i mean how cute are our colors and products i mean it's so cute <laughs> right um we went above and beyond to make sure that parents know what to do with those products right it's important for families to to think about that when they're choosing feeding products you know we we think about that stuff when we're choosing like a car seat right but it's the everyday things that are so important for us to really think about when we are thinking about best practices, right? We're thinking about best practices in our fields of education and medical and bring those best practices to the consumer so that they can make a better choice nice. so that they can choose, you know, if you're on Amazon and you're choosing between some knockoff of non-food grade silicone and our products, for example, you know the difference, right? Yeah. So that you can make an educated choice. So that's a, the first takeaway. The second takeaway is being able to try something new. So when I tell parents about open cup drinking and that we can introduce an open cup at six months of age, and we should be introducing an open cup, they're just like, well, none of my other friends are doing this. And I'm like, try it, try something new. Like that's if it just because other people haven't been educated on this, like this, how cool is this that your six month old could actually drink from an open cup? Like it's so cool. And it's so fun to watch the, you know, hold on to the little hands and drink from a cup and make their little sound. It's just <laughs> so cute. Try it. And you're taking a leap of faith, not just in the education that I'm just providing your listeners, but you're taking a leap of faith for your baby. And I think trying something new and taking that leap of faith about your baby's development will go so long mm -hmm. in the whole parenting and educational experience because you are allowing them 
to be independent. Mm -hmm. You're allowing them to take control of their environment. You're allowing them to, to learn about their world. And that is so important to respect your baby, respect their skills and allow them to explore in a way that maybe you didn't even think that they could do. Right. And I think that's what's so amazing about feeding in general and why I learned so much from all the parents across the globe is I naturally think I'm like, that baby is not going to be able to eat those noodles. How is that baby going to be able to do that? Well, because I've never been exposed to those noodles. Right. I work with families from all over the world and then I see it and I'm like, well, now my mind's just changed. Like, yeah, babies could do it. It's it's being able to respect mealtime and what mealtime means to different people and and what mealtime means to your baby they're they're learning that too right they're learning about their mealtime environment and i i just think that's really special and i i really think that that's something that is a great piece of advice because even you know being an expert in this field and having so much experience i'm constantly learning something new and so i learn from the parents that i serve parents learn from me it's just that that wonderful environment of of being able to allow each other to grow and respect where we all come from and and really you know kind of hone in on you know ethnic spices and ethnic meals and you know all the ways that we can explore culture and and learn about different things and it's all through food so my best piece of advice is to help your baby explore the world through the food and liquids that you offer. Oh my goodness. That was just the most beautiful way to end our show. I mean, Thank there's you. so much that goes into mealtime. You know, it's actually a couple lectures that I had when I was studying is the family meal and how much goes into it and how many moments of connection and learning. And because, you know, a Montessori idea as well as growing a child of their time and society, you know, and part of that is, our culture, what, you know, Hey family, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm learning through the food experience. And so I'm just really, really grateful that you were able to come on today. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to have you back on our show. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sure, you know, everyone's going to love all of your expertise and thank you so much for coming on, (laughs) Don. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to talk about our company and, and how it's changed, you know, feeding and to talk about, you know, the ways that parents can really get engaged with your kids at an early age and be able to you know, explore mealtime in such a wonderful way because it, it's so different when you look through a baby's eyes and and being able to see, you know, what they're experiencing for the first time. So thank you so much for allowing me to share that passion. Oh my goodness, anytime. <laughs> and that was our interview with Don Winkleman. I hope you guys had as much fun listening to this episode as I did learning from the amazing Don. <laughs> so feel free to check out their website, learn more about their products. I'll have that all linked below. Again, I've used their tiny cup for a lot of years now, and it's just truly wonderful. So I couldn't recommend it more. So that's about it for this episode, episode 22 of our Montessori Babies podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening to our episode this week, and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye! 
Hey, it's Bianca, your baby tour guide here, hopping back in to say thank you again for listening to this episode of Montessori Babies. If you'd like to support your baby's earliest and most important years the Montessori way, I have a totally free masterclass that teaches the six essential steps to begin Montessori with your baby that gives you the exact, seldomly spoken about steps that I created after over a decade working with Montessori babies, families, and caregivers. You can register via the link in our show notes or in my bio on Instagram at babytourguide. Also, if you're enjoying my podcast, I would absolutely love if you'd leave a review to help other parents and caregivers find and join our community. Thanks again for listening to Montessori Babies, and I'll catch you in our next episode. Bye!